Good morning, our friends. Welcome to Carlisle Vineyard Online. It's, well, I was going to say it's great to see you. I can't see you, but it's great um, to be able to gather together somehow and to know that there are some of us um, gathering together in this way. Um, so bless your whole time. Lucy, thank you so much for putting together that set list. Um, it really blessed my heart as I was preparing um, this afternoon. It's Saturday for me um, because of our technological faux pas last week. We're trying to get ahead of the game this time so that we don't make the same mistake again. Um, guys, it's Pam Sunday and I don't know about you, but in the the course of the last couple of weeks, time's kind of gone into a funny zone where I'm not quite sure what day we're at, where we're at, what, what's happening around us. Um, and it's it's a bit of a strange time um, to be living in. But what I just love is moments like these of... Um, of points to stop and to celebrate, to to remember um, who we are, where we are, what we're up to and who our God is. Um, so it's Pam Sunday this week, next week it's Easter Sunday and it couldn't come at a better time. Like that hope-filled, joy-filled, grace-filled, incredible story um, is coming to our town and is coming to our town uh, now it's already come um, but it comes to our town again and um, guys we just want to let you know that we had bought um, already all of our easter eggs so um, those are going to be delivered this week um, out to many of the different key workers in our city to thank them for what they've what they've gotten up to what they're helping us with, what they're doing um, and from a variety of settings so the NHS education, um, social services, uh, city services you know we're just going to try and go quite wide in where those um, go out to without spreading infection of course what I'd love for us to do is to gather around uh, the story of Pam Sunday Vineyard Stars. I sent um, a link out to your carers um, with a, a plan for you guys. If you would like to gather around that, it'd be awesome. I would love to see your um, Pam branches that you could create this afternoon. I would love to see um, little stories or videos of you um, dancing around. I really enjoyed uh, the kids' worship, actually. I, I danced around myself this um, preparing that. So um, it would be great to see you interact with that. Bless you guys. You're so important to our community and we're so thankful for who you are. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 19. If you've got a Bible, I'd love you to turn with me. Now, ordinarily, the Pam Sunday story would maybe come um, by itself. But I actually, um, I don't know about you guys, but my passion for scripture is increasing as I have more time to uh, just just marinate and and spend a little bit more time um, and grab little bits of time uh, where the kids allow. Um, So we're going to start at the start of Luke chapter 19 with the story of Zacchaeus, which I know we shared recently at Vineyard, but it's one of our favourite stories. Um, There's a lot to take from that. There's a lot in these passages of scripture and a lot that I couldn't spend time unpacking right now. A lot for you to maybe go away and explore. But I just felt it was important for us to go from the start of Luke chapter 19 together. So grab your Bible. Um, while you go and find your Bible, get yourself a cup of tea. And while you find yourself a cup of tea, why don't you find if there's any form of treats? Although there's not many in my house right now, there might be in your house. So it'd be awesome for you to go and grab yourself a cuppa at the same time as you fetch your Bible. Um, and while you do that, why don't you just grab your phone and just send a wee message of encouragement to like two or three people just to say, hey, 
I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. And, you know, why don't you send that to somebody who wouldn't normally connect with Carla Vineyard, somebody who is at your workplace, somebody who is um, a long-lost friend? Um, Just have a little pause, so press pause and just do that now. Okay, guys, welcome back. Um, We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 19. Um, let's just pray together before we do that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that your presence never changes. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are right here in the midst of things with us. We thank you that you know us and that you love us. Thank you that you know what we need and at the time that we need it. So Father, would you help us right now to to lean more fully into who you are, into all that you have for us. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear in the season like never before? And Father, most of all, would you help us to recognise you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords? We thank you that our King isn't just coming, that he's already here. So Father, help us to live and to lean into that reality for such a time as this. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Luke chapter 19, here we go. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name was Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest at your house. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cosy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically. Master, I give away half my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is. Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. The story about investment. While he had their attention, and because they were getting close to Jerusalem by this time, an expectation was building that God's kingdom would appear any minute. He told this story. There was once a man descended from a royal house who needed to take a long trip back to the headquarters to get authorisation for his rule and then return. But first he called ten servants together, gave them each a sum of money and instructed them, operate with this until I return. But the citizens there hated him. So they sent a commission with a signed petition to oppose his rule. We don't want this man to rule us. When he came back bringing the authorisation of his rule, he called those ten servants to whom he had given the money to find out how they had done. The first said, Master, I doubled your money. He said, Good servant, great work, because you've been trustworthy in this small job, I'm making you governor of ten towns. 
The second said, Master, I made a 50% profit on, on your money. Oh, he said, I'm putting you in charge of five towns. The next servant said, Master, here's your money, safe and, and sound. I've kept it hidden in the cellar. To tell you the truth, I was a little afraid. I know you have high standards and hate sloppiness and don't suffer fools gladly. He said, you're right that I don't suffer fools gladly. And you've acted the fool. Why didn't you at least invest the money in security so I, I would have gotten a little interest on it? Then he said to those standing there, take the money from him and give it to the servant who doubled my stake. They said, but master, he already has double. He said, that's what I mean, risk your life. Get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. As for these enemies of mine who petitioned against my rule, clear them out of here. I don't want to see their faces around here anymore. God's personal visit. After saying these things, Jesus headed straight up to Jerusalem. When he got near Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olives, he sent off two of the disciples with instructions. Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a colt or a donkey tethered, one that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone else says anything, asks, what are you doing? Say, his master needs him. The two left and found it just as he said. As they were untying the colt, its owner said, what are you doing untying the colt? They said, his master needs him. They brought the colt to Jesus. Then throwing their coats on its back, they helped Jesus get on. As he rode, the people gave him a grand welcome throwing their coats on the street right at the crest where the mount where mount olives begins its descent the whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise all over the mighty works they had witnessed blessed is he who comes the king in god's name all's well in heaven glory in the high places some Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, get your disciples into control. But he said, If they keep quiet, the stones would do it for them, shouting praise. When the city came into view, he wept over it. If you had only recognised this day and everything that was good for you, but now it's too late. In the days ahead, your enemies are going to bring up their heavy artillery and surround you. Pressing in from every side, they'll smash you with your babies on the pavement. No, not one stone will be left intact. All this because you didn't recognise and welcome God's personal visit. Going into the temple, he began to throw out everyone who had set up shops, selling everything and anything. He said, it's written in scripture, my house is a house of prayer, but you've turned it into religious bazaar. From then on, he taught each day in the temple. The high priests, religion scholars and the, the leaders of the people were trying their best to find a way to get rid of him. But with the people hanging on every word he spoke, they couldn't come up with anything. You know, guys, there's some there's some tricky bits in that. And um, 
and as I read it, I'm just a bit like, wow, okay, wow. Um, but I wanted to read the whole of this um, this chapter um, because there's an interesting journey that's emerging here that Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus's home where, where special things happen in the home where Jesus wants to invite us to each one of our homes no matter who we are, no matter where we're coming from. He has the invitation to each one of you. Can I come to your house? today can I come and meet with you in your home today I think it's so precious to to see and we talked about that statistic where 78% of the time Jesus met with his disciples and with the crowds outside of the temple 22% of the time in the temple and we're in that 78% of the time right now as Carla Vineyard we have a value um, that, that the kingdom of God comes in our homes, on the streets wherever we live, work or play as well as when we gather on a Sunday that that there is a beautiful transaction that happens uh, when we enter into his kingdom life um, and that as the church we are his kingdom people and so we get to partake in his kingdom life and that doesn't just happen in one location in a building on a Sunday and thank the Lord for that for such a time as this and then it goes on to a beautiful parable and Jesus tells many parables for a variety of reasons Um, but this parable is so beautiful which invites us into a life which is a bit more risky is is one which leads to dreams um, rather than one that leads to just a, a uh, human security um, and it's a challenging story of, of where we're placing who we are, where we're placing our finances, our resources where we're placing our trust um, Is it where, where, where is that landing for such a time as this and then out of this story and um, and we hear um, at the start of the story investment um, you know while he had their, their attention and because they were getting closer to Jerusalem the, an expectation was building that God's kingdom would appear at any moment see the Jewish people had been promised that their Messiah would come and that they knew that their Messiah would come to the city of Jerusalem they knew that their Messiah would come um, towards them and they there, there was this um, I guess a mixture of real expectation um, and also a little bit of uncertainty um, you know for some of them who had journeyed closely with Jesus they had guessed that he could be the Messiah and some of them were more convinced of that than others some of them had asked questions of Jesus are you really the Messiah and that gives us such reassurance that those who were closest to him who witnessed all the miracles who witnessed the dead being raised to life still had massive questions about who he was and was he really who he said he was and so in leading up to this there was a growing anticipation that something was going to come about in Jerusalem and for some of them they knew that was Jesus they knew that Jesus was the Messiah they knew that that was who they were waiting for and they were just so excited that almost that moment of validation for the king of kings to come riding into the streets however that was going to happen they weren't sure but for Jesus to be the validated messiah for others they were um, expecting that Jesus was maybe a messenger maybe a, prof- a, a um, prophetic person who had come to foretell more of the story but were maybe waiting for um, someone grander than him someone who was maybe dressed up and in um in like with a white horse and coming uh, victoriously and it was going to be an incredible occasion but they were still really expectant for the journey that they were traveling towards 
And um, others still, um, there was maybe that expectation, but not that Jesus had anything to do with it. And maybe there was a sense of, um, I don't know, maybe there was going to be the sense of, oh, yes, he told you so, Jesus. It wasn't you all along. And and see everybody, he was. He's a, he's a fibber. He's a liar, you know, and all. And then the others who just totally disbelieved, you know. So it was a funny scene um, of expectation on different levels. Um and then we we come by this beautiful parable which will um maybe just marinate on ourselves and our own hearts of what that says to each one of us. Um and that Jesus comes um to Jerusalem and what a beautiful story that um he doesn't come riding on a white horse triumphant, victorious in uh, armour, looking like a king. But he gets on a donkey. Now, I don't know much about donkeys, but I would guess that you would want to have ridden on a donkey a few times. I would guess that um, they need a little bit of training. Um, You know, donkeys like... (laughs) I love to look at a donkey and why not spend a couple of minutes looking on YouTube at at funny donkey things because they are just funny creatures. I have stood and just watched one for a while and just found them utterly hilarious but I know that they have a mind of their own, that they are not very well trained and so I find it quite hilarious that he asks for a donkey which has never been ridden before. but there we go. So Jesus asked for the donkey that hasn't been ridden before. And and um, this is the ultimate act of humility. Jesus is our servant king. He doesn't come on that victorious horse, but he comes to meet with his people. Because his ultimate aim is to have relationship with his people, is not to lord it over his people, but is to become their lord of lords, their king, their saviour and their servant and to come and meet them right where they're at and so what an incredible sign of humility that he rides on a donkey into town and so I'm sure it's with great surprise that some of them see their saviour ride onto donkey and say I wonder if there was conversation amongst the disciples of thinking of an upgrade there are you sure Jesus are you sure a donkey maybe something else Um, but no he's determined it's a donkey I come on to to ride on a donkey and um, this is a sign it's another sign of me fulfilling the prophetic word that I will be your saviour I will be your messiah and this is how it will be and uh, there are signs that the whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise and I love that like like we we're not exactly sure how many their number is at that time um but but just they're whipping and wallering and and cheering just like we do um at the Cumbria run um on Thursday nights wow yes Jesus this is amazing blessed are you blessed are you the king in God's name Hosanna in the highest all is well in heaven glory in the high places there's such a prevailing sense of relief the Messiah is here this is incredible my king has come at last all the waiting is over and now finally we can declare it publicly as well but there's a reaction from from others where they they totally don't see this they totally don't believe this although they would be classed as religious people they would be classed as um, good moral people they would be classed as rule abiding uh, citizens but there's not the heart connection there to go with it they don't get 
why the people are reacting this way because they've not um, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah and so we see um, an interaction here where Jesus gets really cross he gets really cross with religion he gets really cross with a reaction of religion um, he's not come to bring religion he's come to bring relationship our great rescuer and and for the first time we really see him get very angry at, at religion. He turns over the tables. He he um he he says to religion, I don't I don't want religion. I don't want religion to come near. I want relationship to come here. I've come to rescue you. I've come to bring a story of hope, of redemption, a fresh start, of one of love, of grace, of joy, not of religion. And um, incredible um, how he he reacts that way. But then he proceeds to spend each day in the temple. It's kind of like he's not going to give up um, on those people, um, those religious people in the temple. And and he he spends um, many days in that temple just sharing his kingdom story from his kingdom perspective. Probably a lot more parables. Um, and it says in scripture that the people hung on to every word that he said and and they couldn't come up with um reasons and ways to 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 get rid of him um and we see that the the story progresses in the Easter week, which we'll go into a little bit more detail next time and I guess for us, this is a point for us to pause and to consider have we declared him king of our lives? Do we accept that he is the great rescuer and that he has um, rescued us he is rescuing us and he will rescue us he is the great rescuer he he loves us so dearly that he wants us to come into the midst of exactly where we're at and bring his rescue story towards us you know we see that he weeps over situations and places there's many things in this world right now that he weeps over and guys i've just been really pausing to consider father in the midst of this, what are you doing? What are you doing, Lord Jesus? And I see his hand at work all over in the midst of the situation while he weeps at um, the sadness and the, the crisis and, and all over this time of pandemic where there is real heartache going on. He weeps. He weeps with us. He wants to comfort those who are weeping right now. He wants to come and meet with us. But he always has another story emerging as well, like where his kingdom cannot help but come in and break through. And, um, you know, I've just been reading some different books. I've been reading the Bible more about some different books. And one of them is um, talking about rootedness. And I really believe, you guys, this is a season for us to be increasingly rooted in who Jesus is. And I wanted to start with that parable, with the story of Zacchaeus, because I think it's really important for us to understand a little bit more of how our Father speaks to us um, and in such a time as this. So if it's okay by you, I just want to read this passage to you. Um, and then we're going to pray together. And I know this is kind of... Um, a message not a message it's a call I guess for us as a community to to become more rooted in him um, and for us to declare him as king in every situation of our lives for us to have our own Pam Sunday moment where we lay down our coats before him and say I declare you as king but here we go here's a a little passage from this book Subterranean why the future of the church is rootedness honestly Jesus wouldn't make a great modern politician, a good visioneer or a successful stage personality. 
His most central message of the kingdom of God is often clouded and cloaked in the language of parables, fictional stories. This drove his disciples crazy. In Matthew 13, 34, the writer makes the point that Jesus did not say anything without using parables. A parable would often end with the refrain, whoever has ears, let him hear. A parable would often include a hidden message that would be accessible to some and confusing to others. At one point, the disciples share their absolute frustration with this approach. Why do you speak in parables like this? As if to say, Jesus, why are you doing this? You're telling stories, but nobody is getting your point. Can you find a clearer, cleaner, more captivating way to communicate? I find it irritating but intriguing that God's campaign is often subtle and scaringly scaringly ambiguous about something so important for all of humanity. Why not just make it plain, speak and crank it up loud? Rather, Jesus entices listeners to tune their listening to a different frequency. The kingdom of God can be easily drowned out and stepped over in our surge to be the church. We may pass by the tree every day and it fades into the scenery, going unnoticed. But when we have eyes to see, we behold the tree of life budding up when previously it overlooked. We see God's kingdom forestry. God's kingdom is being planted among us, but trees do not fight. They bear fruit. We are not coerced by the kingdom of God. We are not battered into submission and overwhelmed with the sheer sensory overload of its presentation. Rather, the tree invites us, intrigues us and mystifies us. The creator of the world is gathering people together, not to compete with the machinery of the world, but to point out what is sprouting up unnoticed in this place. God is restoring relationships in creation, albeit in slow, subterranean and subversive ways. God treasures this world like a gardener does her garden, tending to it, watering, weeding and watching over it. And now Jesus' strategy is one of covert recruitment. Come, labour with me to build a tree of life in your place. We must begin to look at every facet in this, in light of this kingdom tree, allowing it to loom over our present pursuits. You know, guys, um, all this to say that we as the church, we are part of the kingdom of God. I think um, that we cannot lose the narrative and the story that we are part of the kingdom of God. We are hope dealers, hope bringers, hope seekers for such a time as this. And and we need to position ourselves well in a rooted place, that we are rooted and established in his love, that we're rooted and established in his peace, that we spend time in his word, spend time worshipping him, spend time in his presence and, and take time to slow down and to invite his presence to come and marinate those places and spaces where fear prevails, where um, uncertainty is ruling the day, where mystery is, is confounded us where um yeah where we just feel really uncertain and uh, and he wants to come and declare the king is on his way the king is here the king is on his way the king is here and i just feel there's a pam sunday invitation to each one of us do you want him to be declared as king over your life and do you want to live in his kingdom and live in his kingdom ways which are upside down to the rest of the world which do upside down 
things and upside down ways of thinking, where peace rules instead of, of fear, where love rules instead of uncertainty. It's an upside down calling and um, I just really invite us towards that to be a kingdom people for such a time as this. To be the people who praise him, who, who lay down our courts before him and enter fully into all he has for us. And that we don't miss out on 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 because we were so focused on the present reality which is hard and which is tough and that's where he meets us with with tears and he longs for us to be vulnerable with him um, in those points of fear so I'm just going to invite Jesus to come and meet us right now I'm sorry that this has been a little bit longer because I've read a lot and I love to read and yeah but I just want to invite his presence to come and meet with us this Palm Sunday so Father we thank you so much for your presence we thank you for who you are And we just pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear for such a time as this. That we would enjoy your kingdom more fully. That we'd see your hand at work in the midst of tough situations. That you would help us to be a kingdom people in the midst of all of this. That you would help us to have hope as our anchor that we would have the peace that passes all understanding, that we would know all the good gifts that are the fruit of your spirit. So come, Lord Jesus, and help reveal to us those areas of our lives where um, you can help us to lean more heavily on your understanding and not on our own, where we can give you the fear, where we can give you those places of uncertainty, where we can give you the pain. Come and meet with us, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much that you are the Messiah. You are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and help us to position ourselves in that reality today. Amen. Bless you guys so dearly. Hope you have a great Palm Sunday today. We look forward to being in touch with you again in the week as we move towards Easter Sunday. Bless you. Bye for now.